Now let's talk about tactics. Scare tactics. With the element of illusion becoming as real to us as our religion. I mean, when Siegfried and Roy become as real as St. Peter and Paul, can you dig what I'm saying? Dig what I'm saying. With that being said, we gotta know that a tactic is planned out. The enemy had to plan that thing out in order to stifle you and take you off your game. But a lot of times, we can be our own enemy. Great day one and all, this is none other than your brother, XL Wilbur, reporting to you live from your side. If you decide not to oblige, well, that means you choose to blues. You're probably somewhere seeing red with your hands on your head instead, and with that being said, I'd like to welcome you all to something I like to call Scare Tactics. This is the self-help podcast that lets you know the life you long for, the goals you long for, the experiences you long for are in shorter distance than you could ever imagine. That's right. And each week, we're going to take a fear that's hindering us from taking that step to our next level. And we're going to break it down brick by brick, give you the pros, the cons, and turn them into Louboutins, baby. You're going to be stepping in style by the end of it. I mean practical exercises, practical applications that we can use to flex that thing out in our very own life to our advantage. And as promised... This is week two. I'd like to thank you for joining me for it. And for those of you who are just now joining our Scare Tactics podcast family, I appreciate your attendance. I thank you for hanging out with us, and I pray it enlightens you. So I say episode four on the title, but I just verbally said second week. And I don't want to confuse you because it is the second week of our ABCs of Fear series. Last week we started with A for the fear of aging and how to overcome it. And this week, we're going to give you the letter B, Bravo. Make sure you go check out A if you feel like you're, you're missing something. And there's nothing wrong with that. I'm going to make sure you all set up for greatness. And with B, we're talking about bullying. If we ain't been the ones dishing it out, we've been the ones who received it or accepted it. And when I say accepted it, I mean being a bystander, not saying anything, even though the detriment that is causing the person receiving it and being silent about the situation. But we got something for all three of those roles. The one putting it out, the one receiving it, and the one that's sitting by accepting it. We got roles for everybody, and I promise you, that's why I say this scare tactics thing is real. We break these things down brick by brick, give you pros, cons, and change them into Louis Vuittons. Man, you're going to step in style at the end of this thing, and we're going to learn how to practically exercise or ap apply these things to our life to where these things can't hinder us because a lot of people feel like they're big, bad, and tough until they run into their match. So we're going to address them issues, too. I love it. I pray y'all do too, man. Let's get ready to get into it. In this corner, we have the pros, leverage, strength. And when we talk about strength, we're talking about the mental high ground or being physically stronger than the ones they're bullying. Confidence, stolen confidence, yet confidence nonetheless. Notoriety and his tag team partner, authority. And in this corner, we have cons, confidence, false, yet still confidence. No sense of self, ill intent, rejection, and the live wire himself. No direction. And now that we got the pros and the cons on their proper teams, we can look at some of the rings in which they operate in the forms of bullying. Though we all look at it as being physical, there are other forms of bullying as well. We talk about verbal, and this is very interesting because one of the origins of the word bully, as I dust off my honorary English degree for the first time of many in this episode, it means to overbear with bluster or loud talk and menaces, which is hostile intent. So we talked about ill intent being one of the cons here just recently. And it's right there in the origin of the word bully was to loud talk with hostile intent. And I don't know a quiet bully, so yeah, there you have it. 
is right there in the pudding. And so, when we talk about the next form of bullying, it's emotional relational. And the biggest example I could get of this was cyberbullying because it's so prevalent right now in today's society. And me, at first, I didn't take it serious because I came up in a time where it was direct. You had to be direct with whoever you had a problem with. Y'all had to see each other and it had to be on site. Even if you and them didn't want to do anything to each other, when y'all got face to face, people around y'all would push y'all to the point y'all throw them hands. Baddest man hit my hand. Who believes it? Who believes it? <laughs> and that's basically what it was. And But now to get back on the serious matter of the cyberbullying, I had to sympathize because I live by code. You can't kill me through no keyboard. But I had to sympathize because I had to look at it for what it was. Though I'm about being direct, I came up in a time where we had to be direct with whoever we had a problem with. Now they have technology to where people can create fake pages and talk about you. They can have people who don't even know you have an opinion about you because they see it. It's there. It's advertised. And it's hard to be direct and address it when you don't even know if the person that you see on that page being created about you is actually who you think it is. It's people that like, they changing their face. They can put a mask on and have everybody thinking this way about you. And I believe what pushed a lot of those kids to that final decision of taking their own life is the fact that they already felt they didn't measure up. So the world was just confirming it, which is the saddest truth ever, because it wasn't. It, that's not the case at all. And what's even sadder is that we'll never know the potential of these kids. We'll never know what they could have been, who they could have helped out, and what impact they could have made on the world. And that with itself is a tragedy. So as we continue to put these tools in our rucksack to prevent these things from happening again, I feel like it does us justice to know where these words came from. The two components in a bullying situation are what? The bully and the victim. And bully is very interesting when you look at the origin of the words. As I dust off my honorary English degree one more time, check me out. It originated from words that were terms of endearment, like a lover, a brother, a fine fellow, somebody you respected. It's what the word bully originated from. And over time, it deteriorated to become a word that meant a harasser of the weak. And I feel that that's what's going on with a bully anyway. They don't start off evil. It's something that they're missing, something that happens to them, and the only way they know how to react to it is to oppress others. And I feel like that's what happened. The same way the origin of the word started as a, a term of respect or a term of endearment, over time it deteriorated to become an oppressor. And that's exactly what's going on the inside of a bully, I believe. And it's right there in the origin of the word. And the other part of the bullying situation is the victim, which gives us even more insight. Check this out. The word victim originates from a word meaning a sacrifice or an exchange to the gods or a supernatural deity. So when you look at a bullying situation, what's actually happening is they're taking the soul of the victim for the bully's confidence level. And I'm reminded of a Mortal Kombat character by the name of Shang Tsung. And after he got through kicking your butt, you know what he did? He said, your soul is mine. And he would literally take the soul of the person he just beat. And it kept him young. And that's just, that same thing happens in a bully situation. Maybe not in the physical, but you got to think. They're breaking down that victim's self-esteem because they don't have self-esteem of their own. So they're taking the little bit of self-esteem that person may have and saving it for themselves. It's building up their confidence level by crushing the soul of the victim. And the emptiness felt by that victim on account of the bully may create a domino effect. It might not stop right there with the big guy picking on the little guy and that's it. That little guy may find somebody weaker than them and continue that trait of oppression. Sometimes they do it in a similar sense and we've seen it in instances where the group picks on the less popular kid and that kid goes and shoots the school up. 
Mass shootings happen. We've seen it happen time and time again. And that just shows you the detriment that bullying causes, the mass destruction that it causes. It don't stop right there with the oppressed. Sometimes they take it upon themselves to act out and take everybody with them. And as we continue to tool up to combat this thing called bullying, I have to share with you I've found the bully's secret weapon. That's right, XL Wilbur, yours truly has found the secret weapon of the bully, and that is perception. That bully has to make you believe that they're a person to fear. They have to make you believe that they're a person that can cause you harm or cause you trouble. They have to make you believe that they're that power and authority they wish they had but don't truly have. They have to make you believe it. That's where the power lies with perception. And here are a couple examples, not necessarily calling all these people bullies, but I'm just using them as examples to show the power of perception that the bullies use. So when we talk about politicians and their constituency, a politician does what? Tells you that they're the missing piece to the puzzle. Vote for me. And they're basically telling you that you can't do it. You're not out here fighting for it. You're not looking to make a change, but you want to see all those things happen. Vote for me. I can make it happen for you. So they have to be perceived as the person that can fix the problem in order for the constituency to give them votes and put them in office. And we look at a lot of bullies that are in the, got one of the biggest bullies in the White House right now. Ain't no secret about it. You, you dig what I'm saying. So when we talk about another example of how perception is power, we look at pimps and prostitutes. And what makes this example so, so profound is the fact that another meaning of the word bully as it originated before the English language was a protector of a prostitute. Now that just goes hand in hand to show you anybody who knows the pimp game, the ism, and how it goes down, pimps look for somebody with low self-esteem who looks for a sense of belonging and doesn't have that sense of belonging, and they bring them in to do their bidding. Another fun fact about this example of pimps and prostitutes is the fact that it plays in all three types of bullying. When you look at the verbal part of it, you got to have that mouth game. That mouth game got to be official. That game got to come out like water from a fountain. Do you dig what I'm saying? So when you talk about verbal, there you go. When you talk about physical, it's when they put their hands on them to reinforce the rules that they may have stepped out of line of. But then when you talk about the emotional relational section of that bullying thing, it's basically where they're ostracized or pushed aside lower in rank because of violating or doing something against the code and... That pimp says, I'm in authority, stand over there in the corner until I'm ready to talk to you, pretty much. And it can play into that. And it plays on their mind because that, that worker already believes that that pimp is the answer. That person already believes that that's their saving grace. They don't have anything else to go to because that's the one who took them from the gutter. That's the one who gave them that sense of belonging. So when them feeling like that, when you push them to the side, guess what? They're going to do everything extra above and beyond to get back in your good graces. And this last example that I want to use of perception being power is where the underlings hold that same level of loyalty. And those are with gang leaders. Now, I have to make a disclaimer because I have people that are very close to me. I mean, real names, real numbers, real love for these people who have been in this life or are still in this life. And I don't want you, if you're listening, I don't want you to think I'm degrading your character or trying to deteriorate who you are as a person. I'm just using this as an example of perception being power. So you look at it, in reality, the recruits and people who want to get in the gang, what do they do? They look for a sense of belonging. They let it be known that they want to join the organization. And an expression used down where I'm from when they say, come on, get on the hood, they say, come home. So you're already saying, come home to somebody who feels like they don't have a home life, who feel like they found a home and a family with you and your organization. 
So when you look at it at that, you are the answer to that problem. Your perception of that power is what makes them feel comfortable being a part of your organization and everything that comes with it. Now to equip my X factors here and to make sure that we know how to combat these perceptions of power and not be fooled by it, I have to explain why this particular area with the gang members never gave me the perception of fear as the general public has for them. Because a lot of the gangsters and OGs and guys I know in that life I grew up with. So it's hard for me to see you as this stone cold gangbang leader, even though that's what you are. Your name's ringing in the streets. I can see it. But it's hard for me to see like that when you my man's from elementary school. You my man's from middle school. We went to school together. We sandbox, man. I'm talking about you my guy from summer camp. How can I see you as a threat? It's hard for me to fear that because I know you personally. We knew each other before we knew ourselves. And when I say that, it's like when we were kids trying to get this life together, figure things out, we knew each other. You my man's from summer camp. It's hard for me to be scared of you as the general public might be. And I just want to say that because I got family in it. Like people I can hit right now and just, I just tell them, hey, I love you, man. That's it. And it's, it's like that. I can see you and see what you're doing. How could I not? You got rank in the streets. You got people paying homage. And I can only see you through the eyes of big bro. I still want what's best for you. I still want what's best for your kids. I can't be afraid of these, these people because I know them personally. I had an instance where... It was me and one person at an after party, hop out the car. My mans I grew up with in church is sitting right there. 30 guys behind them, bandanas around their necks, no shirts on, sitting on top of cars. And he come out the crowd just to holler at me and tell me, hey, man, make sure you come to my birthday party next week. These are the examples I have when it comes to people in the gang life. I can speak so passionately about it because I ain't been around a lot of pimps. I ain't been around a lot of politicians. But one perspective of this being perception and power that I have been around are people in the gang life. So I can speak so passionately to it because of that very reason. It's hard for me to fear that when we know each other personally. Now that we got all the violins and the tissue out of the way, because that got passionate, I must say, <laughs> we can talk about combating bullying. How do we fight this thing? And we just talked about perception being power in the hands of the bully. And number one thing we do as we start this combat off is we change the narrative. Life ain't about finding yourself. It's about creating yourself. And I changed my narrative with putting out this motivational material, doing this podcast, because I can definitely use what people say and know about my past as bait to not want to do anything motivational at all. You're like, how can you tell me about this subject when you sucked at it? Maybe that's how I can tell you about this subject. I learned from that. But at the same time, I could have used that as a reason not to put this stuff out. I could use that as a reason to not move forward and try to motivate others. I could just say, I learned my lesson, I'm going to sit back. But no, I have a gift and I use it. So I change the narrative. People have to look at me as a motivational force. I mean, people that I'm sure have no interest in what I do on a professional level are looking at my motivational videos online and getting inspired by it. My man's told me that I grew up where he was like, yo, even if people don't say they like your stuff, you really out here affecting people, man. Just tr trust me on that. And I know up out of Paco Lewis, man. Look at him. Hear me, don't see me, man. That's a whole plug right there, dude. <laughs> so with that being said, I have to look at the next perspective because I fell into this category too, the nerd narrative. When you talk about bullies, most of the time they're portrayed as bullies picking on the nerds. So when you look at the nerd, what I had to think about is my, my birth name is Steve. So when you say that, you look at Steve Urkel. I grew up in the realm where that was new. 
popular. Steve Urkel was everywhere. So I got that name real quick. And you got to think, a nerd is intelligent. So that's what I teach my kids now. A nerd is not an insult. It's a compliment. And you got to think about it. I got picked on for that because my moms used to send me and my brother to school with, if you look it up, Sebagos. They're not like dress shoes. They're like, they're not tennis shoes and felines and Jordans like everybody else had on. We had on like these dress shoes, Sebagos. So I would get picked on a lot about that in elementary school. I remember fourth grade, I got jumped by three guys. And I was running after them in these Sebagos on the playground, running after these guys, trying to fight these guys back. And one of my shoes came off. Before I can get up to pick it up, the guy picked it up behind me. Pow! Hit me in my head. I remember right by the double swings, man. <laughs> remember like it was yesterday. But I got up and I kept on pushing. I kept on running, like making sure I got at them guys. And they respected me after the fact. But I had to think about that when I got a little bit older as to what if my kids got jumped? What if my kids got jumped? What would I do? It's hard to turn the other cheek when the blood running from that cheek is your own DNA. And now me personally, first thing I said I would do is I'm coming at your parents. <laughs> and that's the treacherous part about it because I can't guarantee if my kids got jumped that the father would be in the house. I'm not going to beat up on nobody's mama. So I can't even guarantee that the father's going to be in the house when I go to address it with the parents. You know what I'm saying? So that nerd narrative had to go out the window and I had to think about how would I handle it if my kids got jumped? How would I handle it if they got bullied? And basically what I tell them to do is defend themselves. Defend themselves. If they have to do it with their words, do it with their words. That's where the intellect comes from. If you're going to be a nerd, be intelligent and make it happen for you. But at the same time, if you're going to have to use your hands, get physical and let them know that you're not going to back down. And most of the time, what runs a bully away is you standing up for yourself. Stand for summer fall for anything is the same. So the next thing we can do to combat bullying is to be selfless. And this is for people who are accepting the bullying. You dig what I'm saying? And a quote is, strong people stand up for themselves, stronger people stand up for others. So I took this to mean befriending the victims. And it was one of them things where I was in school, like high school. And it's like, you know how many different groups are in a high school? How many different cliques and places that you can be and fit into? I had people I hung around with more than others, but I was, what rappers say, good in every hood. <laughs> I could sit at anybody's lunch table and be fine, and we could associate, and I wouldn't overstay my welcome. But at the same time, I didn't have a problem affiliating with everyone. I was that type of person. So when it came to people being picked on, if y'all got a personal beef, then that, I'm not going to step in between that. Y'all got to handle that. But if I see you just addressing them because of who they are, what they are, and what you don't like about them, and they ain't done you no wrong, then I'm going to be like, hey, man, to get to them, you got to go through me. Because people will look at that and say, oh, they cool with him? I, I may not mess with them like that. Not because I was intimidated or nothing like that, but just because you my, you my people just like they my people. So I can't just let you pick on them like that. I was one of them mediator type of people. So the neutral force, you know what I'm saying? So when you talk about befriending the victim, I was good at doing that in school. But when I got in the army, I felt like my hands were tied when it came to that. And somebody had to show me that, nah, don't just take that laying down. And I got a negative evaluation from my yearly evaluation from a, a leader one time. And so, uh, Staff Sergeant Seals, Katima Seals, man, up out of her right there. Shout her out. So I'm talking to about her, talking to her, and she's looking at this thing. She was like, what is this? How can, where's the evidence? And 
there was no evidence to be had. And I'll tell you how God works, man. I, I was the guy that had to open the door so that he can come back in to redo it and re-sign it because he had no evidence as to the stuff he was putting on there. And it was some, it was some, some dirt stuff, but he had no evidence of it. And it was just because he had that prejudice on me for not being one of the good old boys. And that basically is what it came down to. But he had to redo it. That was the victory. But it took Sergeant Seals to step in on my behalf and let me know that, hey, you can combat this. You can, you can fight this. And I did. And she did that. I did that. We, we clicked up and then had the guy come in front of me and redo it. So that's exactly how that works. Befriending the victims. Being selfless. Being that shoulder to cry on, if you got to say that. Being that person that steps in and lets them know that I see you at a disadvantage. I see you being taken advantage of and I'm not going to stand for it. We can't let this happen. And then we get to the capital combat strategy when it comes to bullying. You have to have confidence, self-love. Why listen to a bystander? When you can listen to an expert. And that's coming from Madeline Morgan. I saw it on the TED Talk. And I was like, that is profound coming from a teenager. Why listen to a bystander when you can listen to an expert? And I took that to just say, stop letting the outside tell us what the inside looks like. That's like telling me somebody who's never been inside the building. I'd rather talk to the person that built the building or somebody who works inside the building than somebody outside scalping tickets. There's, there's the opinion I want. I want to know what, what was your experience like being in it or building it. And if, people, if we're building ourselves, we're creating ourselves, then guess what? Nobody outside can tell us what that inside looks like. If we let it out to be seen in our true self, that's different. But we're letting it be seen. We're showing you what we want you to see. So if you don't like what you see, you address it. Some people don't like what they see on the inside of themselves, so they choose to tear down the outside or inside of somebody else. And the way to combat that is to have an inside of our own. Have love for ourselves. Start from the inside. The solution to bullying is internal. You can't do it from the outside as much, but you can start from the inside. There's a solution. So when you look at another option, I look at Shane Koizan. I hope I'm pronouncing that right. And he had something, a quote in one of his poems that said, I will love myself despite the ease with which I lean towards the opposite. It's easy to hate yourself. And it's easy to think somebody else knows that answer to your question. Perception of power. And it's easy for someone to threaten your livelihood if you feel that they're in a position of authority. One of the pros of bullying to begin with. Look at workplace bullying. Your pride or your paycheck. Which one you want? And that's how workplace bullying works and functions. You want your, it's your pride or your paycheck? You want to stand up for yourself or you want to get paid? Which one you want to do? And it says, I will love myself despite the ease to lean toward the opposite. So to love yourself is how you start to combat the bullying. That's the biggest thing you can do. Because like I said, a pro of bullying at the beginning was the confidence, though it was stolen from the oppressed. And a con of that same bullying is confidence because it's false. Once you take that power from them, 
they don't have that confidence anymore. They got to find it somewhere else. And maybe the confidence you have will rub off on them and they can start to love themselves. This is for everybody. I told you it's going to be for everybody in the situation, whether you're the one dishing it out, receiving it, or accepting it. And the last one I want to talk to you about is the strategy to be a hard target. Now, remember this, because bullies go for easy targets. So you got to square your shoulders up and stand ready to fight. When I used to box, I remember them telling me that. Make yourself a, a hard silhouette. You square yourself up to where it's less for you to hit when you look at them ver like vertically, up and down, straight line, as opposed to being horizontally with your shoulders side by side. Square your shoulders up to where it makes it hard for them to hit you, and it's easier for you to budge the, budge the punches. And that's basically what you got to do. You got to make yourself a hard target for a bully because bullies look for people who already don't feel the, as comfortable with themselves. And then you got to confront a bully by making them stand down. And I remember OG Booby Black told me one time, make Andre the Giant the smallest man in the room. Now, Andre the Giant, the eighth wonder of the world. I love pro wrestling, so I use a lot of their references. And over seven feet tall, almost 600 pounds, make him the smallest man in the room. Never let nobody overwhelm you with who they are. Show them who you are, and y'all can meet on the common ground. Use your intelligence. If, if they're going to get at you for being a nerd, use your intelligence. If you can't do it physically and combat them, do it mentally. Beat them at the mind. Because with ignorance comes fear. And from fear comes bigotry. Education is the key to acceptance. So whether y'all learn each other or whether you outsmart them to put them in their place, that's how you combat the bullying. Be a hard target, man. Beat them at their own game if you got to. Like I say, if you can't do it physically, then guess what? Beat them at the mind. Beat them at the mind and then meet them at the mind. That's how you really make an impact. Because the truth of the matter is this. Now, I'm not intoxicated or anything like that before you think um, this next saying is clearly, clearly out of place. Bullying actually has a level playing field. Ooh, XL, you have lost it. <laughs> but no, check me out. I got three aspects to where it's going to make sense. Check me out. If bullying has a level playing field, which it does, it starts with choice. Bullying often comes with an ultimatum. So there's always a choice. It's either you're going to get hurt or you're going to give me what I want. So bullying comes with an ultimatum, so it's always a choice. You make a choice of whether you choose to let them oppress you or you stand up for yourself. You use your voice or live as if you don't have one. So the second one is consent. No one can make you feel inferior without consent. It has to be consensual. So to give in to a bully essentially means you agree to the abuse. To feel inferior, you have to feel inferior. So that, that goes without saying. You agree to the abuse if you let them continue to oppress you. Then you got to look at the third one, common ground. Because in a lot of instances from the victim and the bully standpoint, they're dealing with loneliness. That person may not be as popular, so they ain't got as many friends. They might be one of them people who keep to themselves, so they don't have many affiliates or associates. Then you got that bully who's missing something on the inside of them where they feel like they're alone. And like I say, there was a con of bullying is rejection, feeling rejected in some way, shape, or form, whether at home or another aspect of their life, and they bring it to school or to work or wherever. And they both are dealing with a, a sense of loneliness. So if they know that they got that going for them and the knowledge to know that they got that 
that same problem, that's common ground. That's common ground to bring them together. And you never know what could happen out of that. That's impact right there. That is world changing. Do you realize I'm a world changer? <laughs> With the bully and the victim finding a commonality, that takes that whole situation out. And so it becomes what? A friendship. Thank, welcome to science class. Metamorphosis has taken place. <laughs> and I thank you guys for chilling with me this week. That concludes our show. Take the techniques, the tools, the strategies to move them mountains out the way. No longer can you be a bully. No longer can you receive bullying. No longer can you accept bullying because we just gave you all the tools you need to combat it. We gave you the history behind the words and we gave you some insight as to what it really is to bully or be a victim. Don't be either one. Just go in peace. Blessings and ammunition. Follow me on Facebook. Facebook, IG under XL Inspirations, and you can also follow me on the XL Wilbur YouTube channel. We got a lot of outlets as far as this podcast going out. We're talking about SoundCloud, Spreaker, Spotify. I believe I'm getting to the Amazon podcast soon. Google Play, iHeart, iTunes, and we're going for that title bag, baby. You got to know what it is, man. Let us see coming up next week. I thank you guys for joining me for the ABCs of Fear. This is Scare Tactics. Spook the boo. Bye. You have just listened to Scare Tactics, the podcast hosted by XL Wilbur, recorded and produced in Wilbur Dome, North Carolina. The theme music is Exotic Notion, produced by DJ Nigma. XL Wilbur can be followed on Facebook and Instagram under XL Inspirations and the XL Wilbur YouTube channel. Website is soon to come. Thank you guys for your continued support and your continued push for greatness. Blessings and ammunition. Bye! But we gotta know this an illusion. Sometimes we look too deep into things that ain't even there. And the enemy wouldn't have taken that time to put that plan together if they weren't scared of you.